Hey everybody, I'm Anthony. I'm Zach. I'm Sadie. I'm Dane. I'm Tolka. And this is Schultz Unfiltered. All right. Hello everybody. Hope all is going well. We have a, a Danny Chi, a good friend of the podcast with us today, currently a financial advisor at Ed Edward Jones. And uh, it just happens to be lined up as, um, you know, we, well, there's a debate on when kids should start cell phones and when they should start using them. Oh. So ours, they've, they all have a phone except for Tucker right now, but social media starts at eighth grade. Uh, so Sadie is super excited that she just got some social media access. Well, the summer from seventh to eighth. Yes. So as soon as they graduate seventh, yeah. then they have to watch The Social Dilemma, the movie on Netflix, wow. and not write a paper on it, Yeah. which I'm still debating on Sadie's with if AI was involved in Sadie's paper or not. That's no. what I was thinking. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yes. No, it wasn't. I just watched the show and I just wrote what they said down. Okay, well, those were some very large words for your seventh grade <laughs> mind to write in the paper, but <laughs> she has access to social media, and I bring that up because... Are you questioning her intelligence? Uh, no, not intelligence, maybe integrity on a small portion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just, just, just a little bit. Uh, yes, Tucker, you have something you want to share real quick? Bruh. 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 <laughs> uh, and reason social media is because Zach has been seeing his Instagram has been flooded with uh, videos on how easy it is to make lots of money day trading. In like and five minutes. In five minutes, you too could be a millionaire. Yeah. So we figured let's no other than the Danny Chi come on and tell <laughs> us how, how day trading does or does not work. But uh, you know, I know that's that's been a recent part of your story, but yeah. you, know, you and I have been friends for a long, long time in yeah. lots of different areas sure. and uh, in ministry and otherwise. And so I thought, what better person to come on and talk about your journey than yourself? And so uh, you grad, you are an, a, a Juanita rebel. I mean, it's just the Ravens now. Yeah, they're the Ravens now. Ravens now. We but can't definitely can't, a rebel. You, you are in more ways than once. For okay. Sure. Yes. And then, what was your life like post high school? Like, where did you? During high school, I know you're big in athletics and things, but yeah. you graduated and said, I'm free. Yeah. Where great. am I going from here? Well, great question. I think the biggest part is where does my, usually your past, your your background usually shapes where you come from or shapes where you're going. And so the whole goal of my time together is in high school, I was a terrible kid. I, I think I graduated <laughs> With a 1.2 GPA. So I was like, a winner. They, they basically <laughs> like, you know what? We don't want you here anymore. Here's your diploma. I honestly took an extra class on the front end and the back end at an alternative school within Juanita High School just to graduate on time. Could you imagine your senior year is fall, it's October, about to go to some dance pretty soon, and then a counselor sits down with you. And literally says, you're not going to graduate on time. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm going to all these you know, events together. We're all class of 2001. And then somebody says, yeah, he ain't going to make it, bud. You're going to change your life somehow. Right? <laughs> so I took a class on the front end and the back end to graduate on time. And that, that even got me to, I even got like a 3.8 that year. And I still ended up with a 1.2 GPA. So I was a winner. Uh, after <laughs> high school... So I got involved in the church youth group. I went to like a, a youth outreach event in New York City. And oh. that got, that literally really created a heart of the Lord in my heart to desire people to meet him, but more importantly, to make a tangible impact in people's lives. And so I started doing, I was a youth intern at a church called Antioch Bible Church. Um, I worked with teenagers between ages of 11 to 17. And I was a 19-year-old kid trying to learn how to run a youth ministry of about 100 people at the time. And so after that, I did that for three years. And then Young Life called me and said, Danny, 
I think you'd be great on campus, going to schools, coaching basketball. Because had you had any Young Life experience? Oh, absolutely not. I had no Young Life experience. I was no. super churchy. Like, I had church lingo. I had a church culture. A funny thing about churches, especially big mega churches, they build this weird insular culture where everyone goes to the same school. They have the same verbiage and language. And all of a sudden, it's hard to, like, get into the circle. Ever, anybody been there before where it's like everyone has their own circle? And then you jump in, and you think you, you know what they're talking about, and you're like, you can't I don't it. have a clue what they're no. talking about, right? Tucker, yeah, you got a question, buddy? Yeah. I thought we were talking about boogers. Oh, boogers. <laughs> well, no, we'll get to that later. That happens in, in when you go up in life. Boogers do happen. Yeah, especially when, when you're doing middle school and high school ministry. Lots yeah. of boogers. So yes. I really thought I was part of, like, I just didn't understand. I was part of this weird church culture, and I really never experienced church cult, like a group of people, a community outside of that fully before I was a Christian. And it made me weird, really, really weird with people. And so I had to learn how to like interact with, you ever see puppies and how they, they put puppies together so they can learn how to socialize? I had to do that at age 22. <laughs> Zach, and Zach and I were just talking about that. Some people need to be socialized yeah. Yeah. so they can learn how, how to interact. I literally had to learn how to re-socialize again with people that are not part of that weird church culture. At the and time. so this, I mean, you were fine in high school. Yeah. You know, was, got along because you know, you've always been a very outgoing person. Yeah. So you're fine with that. And then you got into a church ministry, which, and then the, the lingo started to be one thing. Yeah. And then as you got to Young Life. Yep. You know, Young Life is a faith-based nonprofit that works yes. with middle schoolers and high schoolers. Yeah. And then you found that you had to, you know, change change your lingo, so, yeah. so to speak, to be able to, to be able to do that. Yeah, I had to change, kind of not just change who I was. I wasn't trying to change who I was, but I just didn't understand. There's certain things within the church that you just kind of, you just speak to, you just know. Like when you say, that's a cool, you know, T-shirt, that's a really cool fish sticker on your T-shirt, right? Everybody in, in church world knows what a fish sticker is. But people that are not church world, it's like, why do you have a fish sticker? That's a little weird. Right? <laughs> do you like the fish? <laughs> do you like the fish? Are yeah. you a fisherman? Like, um, want to go bass fishing tomorrow? Like, like, why do you have this, right? So it was just really weird at the time. So you guys, I mean, you guys were younger, but do you guys recall when I was working for you for Young Life? Yeah, and you had yeah. a bunch of pumpkins, and I was in the car with all the pumpkins. You had, like, 25 <laughs> pumpkins. Yes, because we were doing club. And yeah, so at the family ranch, my, we had my, my birthday at the family ranch. We had your birthday at Washington Family Ranch, which was one of the camps. Yes, Tucker, did you have a question? What was your question? Thank you for asking. Oh, this, this could be loaded. <laughs> what was your favorite movie at the time? Ooh, when you were in Young Life, what was your favorite yeah, movie? This is one know, of our staples with Tucker. I, hey, yes. Don't, the Fast and the Furious was one of my favorite movies oh, of all time. So the, 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 the original yeah. probably came the back. Original. Not, not yes. Tokyo Drift, but the one and two was great. So 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 for Young Life, for those who maybe don't know, um, what was that like? So you were like, you, used to, you, you got assigned a school, and then what did you do for, yeah. from there? The, the, the whole idea of Young Life, which I appreciate about Young Life, is going where kids are at and meeting them where they're at, understanding their lingo, their language, their culture, their people, their vibe, understanding kind of the context of where they are at so I can get along with them, understand them, but more importantly, so that they can feel seen, heard, and, and, and loved. And as a result of that, it's ultimately brought through a relationship with Christ that compels me to do that with them. Because who wants to hang out with teenagers? If you're a grown 28-year-old dude, 
and you're hanging out with a bunch of 14-year-olds, it's kind of weird. Like, what's wrong with you, right? <laughs> like, you're a little odd. Like, why are, do you not have friends? Like, why are you, why are you hanging out right now? Like with people, yes, exactly. Yeah, and, so, and so I had to have a reason to be there. So I coached basketball. So I coached five years of basketball at Finn Hill Junior High or Middle School. Mike in junior high. I even coached seventh grade girls volleyball <laughs> at Kenmore Junior High. And because uh, you were obviously the most qualified candidate in the pool. I, absolutely. Yes. I was. I read a book, especially for volleyball. I literally read a book, Volleyball for Dummies 101. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next month, got then started coaching. We won eighty percent of our games, though. The girls destroyed every single other girl. Okay, so on the other team. We, in all we these amazing. teams you've coached, Champions. what was the? I mean, I, I have my own philosophy, but you coached all these teams regardless of the sport. What was the one thing that was consistent about coaching that you could always coach regardless of the, yeah. a, the, a, the activity? You always have to have structure. You always have to understand people, and then you just have to understand the game. And as long as you understand it, coaching is easy because you can motivate people. As long as you can motivate them to do their job and to actually enjoy what they do, the game kind of comes to itself. And so when I had this girl who's like five foot nothing, but she can jump, dude, she literally had the most kills. Kills are like throw the ball up, set it, and they they spike it down and it hits the ground. That's a kill. Okay, literally she set the kills record. I think at Kenmore Junior High <laughs> in seventh grade and destroyed everybody. And she'd only played volleyball for a year. And people's faces <laughs> were like bruised up, bloody. And I was like, what happened to your face? You get ran over by a car. No, I played against this girl in volleyball. Like, what? <laughs> exactly. Destroyed, so. Exactly. See, I want you to imagine going up your first day of volleyball or softball yeah. and Mr. Cheese standing there waiting to coach you. What is, what is your first thought going, going through your mind? Um, I'd be like, well, after the practice, I'd ask you if he's ever, like, coached. Because I'd be like, because I'd be like, I never would have thought him coaching. Then I would. Why I kinda, that? Do I not look like a girl, seventh grade girl? <laughs> and then I just, I don't know. It depends. Depends on depends on how it went. <laughs> yeah. So what? And you know, as they're as we're talking about career yeah. and life and making the decisions, like, how did you set these benchmarks in place or thoughts in place? Like, I'm going to go from church to, yeah. to go to Young Life. Like, how was that? How was that thought process for you? Like, what led you from one to the other? Yeah, a lot of times, so I'll, st- I'll back up a little bit, because a lot of times that question is you say, hey, how did you get from point A to point B, point C, point D, right? Uh, I always say this, I think control is an illusion. What I mean by that, control is an illusion. There are certain parameters, like for example, you're a, if you ever drive someday, hopefully you'll get your license at 18, uh, hopefully, maybe 25. Um, <laughs> He's hoping for sooner. Yeah, maybe 16. <laughs> he gets okay. a permit next week. Yes. Imagine you're in a lane, you're driving this car, right? You can control your steering wheel. You can control what's like your brake and your gas, right? And you control kind of where you're going, right? Even your speed. But you can never control what other people are going to do, and you can never control what's outside of your circumstances. Like there might be a nail on the road. Space bubble. That's right, a space bubble. Right? You might run into a space bubble. You never know that, right? And so as a result of that, you only can control what you can control, but everything else, what can you control? You can't control other people. I tried that. Doesn't work. <laughs> you, can, you can try to influence others to drive safer, but it doesn't work. So at the end of the day, you only can control what you can control. You can control what's in your hands, but at the end of the day, you don't have control of everything. 
And that's really frustrating for people like me who loves control and wants to have things organized. I hate organizing, but I want things organized. And I want things done a certain way. But at the end of the day, once I let go of that control of saying, you know what, I can't control everything, it actually became freeing. It became freeing because at the end of the day, you just, every, life becomes more of a journey than it is becomes more of manipulation control. Who wants to be manipulating control? I don't put your hand down, right? But at the end of the day, I want to see, I want to have an adventure. I want to live life to the full. I want to see what's going to happen right in the future. And if we try to control it, man, you're never going to enjoy what you have so that you don't enjoy what you can't have someday down the road. What, Those are my thoughts. Dan, what, what, what do you think about that? Not having control over what you're going to do or the others around you. Um, uh, it's like, it's like hard because when you're trying to control something like that and they don't listen, it's 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 annoying because you keep trying and trying and they just can't understand or listen for what you. Because saying. you do it so demandingly. Oh. Well, I wasn't. We didn't have to call him out in particular. I'm just saying, what's it like then, to give control? But then once I do that, and you come back and comment about it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. A little bit of counseling. But I think for you, you you guys are all competitive. Dane, you, you tend to be uber competitive for things and obviously don't like uh, – you do a lot of sports and don't like it when your team doesn't perform. So it can be frustrating when you're trying to control or play your best and other people are not. And how does it turn out when you try to control their actions on the field versus let, 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 it, let it just happen? Um bad things <laughs> bad right yeah. yes so sometimes you just gotta gotta give in and i think what i assume you're going with that is you you just kind of let life take you to where you felt the next spot was going to be yeah and, and for, even for teenagers like when i was a teenager and i worked with 10 teenagers for 10 years one of the hardest things is that structure is actually really important for you all because you got it gives you a parameter where you guys are at, so you got you can actually be more of who you guys should be, but without that structure or control that someone puts in your place, it becomes chaotic. And once you have something that you don't rely on, teenagers, that's rough. Like when's my next meal going to come from? That would be rough, right? And it happens with a lot of teenagers in this in this country. Or what's going to happen if I post this on social media and I get feedback? What's going to happen? You can't control what other people are going to like or not like your Instagram posts or your, you guys don't have Facebook, your Snapchat posts, right? That's rough because you want to control. The reason why you even put it on social media is hoping that people would like some of the things that you do, but you can't control how many people like you. That is the toughest thing for, at least from my experience, and you guys can tell me it's more of a question for you as teenagers. Is it, the hard, is, is it hard for you guys to go through your kind of 12 to 13, 15 years old and try to figure out if you didn't have any type of structure in your life, would it be really hard for you guys? You don't know when your sports games are. You don't know what time to go to school at. You don't know when your meals are going to be. Um, you don't know what friends you're going to have next tomorrow or the next week. Wouldn't that be hard for you all? Mm -hmm. How come? Uh, not... Because I'm like you, where I, I need I need to know what's happening, yeah. and like if I don't know what's happening, I'm gonna be asking everyone what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So not knowing, like all that all that mystery yeah. uh, in the future is like it's gonna be difficult for me personally, yeah. uh, just because I, I I need to know what's happening. Yeah. 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 What does it What does it happen to you if you don't know what's happening? What does it cause in you? Like what emotions? Uh, I wouldn't say like. 
worry, but like anxious. Yeah. 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 Because if if no one knows what's happening, and I've asked everyone if what's happening, and they don't know, then maybe some worry. Yeah. But mostly just just being anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Ted yeah. Tucker, do you have a question, everybody? <laughs> what was your question? What's your favorite movie? Uh, Rudy would be my all-time no, no, favorite, favorite movie. No, when you were a kid. When I was a kid? Yeah. Um, flip the tables. Flip the tables? You're, you're, you're flipping <laughs> no, the table on No. What's your favorite movie when you were a kid? Well, let me think about that, and I'll answer as Sadie's asking her question to Daniel, okay? Okay. If I don't know what's going on... Yeah. It's so annoying, and I always ask so many questions every time there's a plan. Yeah. So, like, yesterday I was asking a bunch of questions. Yes. And, or not yesterday, the other day. And and then, but my mom doesn't need a plan. She just kind of goes with the flow. So every time I ask her a question, she's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, in our situation, as and, and Dan, you're familiar with it, I don't know if we shared too much on the podcast so far, is that we... Uh, you guys are with me every other week, so s- yeah. Sunday to Sunday, and we I try hard on Sundays to like, okay, we have dinner, and then like, here's the plan for the week, because I know that if I don't do that, I will get about a billion questions from every one of you, and even when I say, hey, this is sports Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're like, well, when's this? When have you ordered this on Amazon? When the when's the groceries going to get here? Where's my practice again? So uh, my account, for those who don't know, and I can Parenting Tips 101, I have about 13 different colors on my calendar, all of which <laughs> for different different kids at different practices. Oh, I saw that. Along with work, because I also coach high school swimming six months out of the year. So yeah. I've got meet schedule, practice schedule, plus work, plus each one of your schedules on a different color that dictates where it is. And about a month ago, two months ago, I had a heart attack because somehow my Google calendar got completely wiped. Like, it just, like, lost everything. Wow. I was like, I literally had a panic attack because it took a lot, it takes a lot of work to get all the, to get all that in there. And so it took me about two hours to put it all back, but yeah. I fixed it. Because we live and die, uh, at least in, rather than when I had live and die by the calendar to be in, be in places at time. Because I know that you, you guys want to know. Because I agree with you, Danny, yeah. that structure is the key. I don't know the exact date of the, of the study or whatnot, but it yeah. said if there was a study of kindergartners, that when they were placed out in a play field, let's just take this mic stand as a play field, and there, was, there were fences around it, they used the whole area and went to the boundaries of the fence sure. because it felt safe. Yep. If you removed the fence and here the teacher was here, the kids all stayed clumped here. Yes. They had ultimate freedom, but because it was unknown, they stayed clumped around the teacher because they didn't know, you know how safe it was to go out. That's right. Uh, and because I totally agree with you, the structure and routine of it, while it can yeah. get monotonous, provides safety and security to go. Absolutely. And so, in what I think, in what what help, what I'm hearing you say is it guides your decision making. Is you have safety and security in knowing who maybe you are and what leads you, sure. what's important to you uh, in life, like in your priorities, and that helps guide your decisions from one choice to another, in this case with jobs. Yeah, sure. And it also actually gives me the ability to be more creative and more free. Because when you have some type of box, so if you are creative, you're an artist. Who's, who's an artist here or creative? Loves to draw, loves creative things, loves to make sculptures out of sticks, right? Or something, right? If you have like five, hey, if I went up to you and said, hey, there's four things you need to grab to create this artwork, that four, those four things give you structure, but it actually focuses your mind psychologically to say, oh, 
I can do this with these four things. And you actually become more creative and more free as a person by having some type of structure. It's crazy. And people that are really creative, like, I just want freedom. Just let me be YOLO, you know, me, 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 <laughs> right? Right? And they're doing, oh, I just want to do all this sub-restricting me. And those are the most not creative people I've ever met, even though they're like supposed to be the most creative. Like, I don't get understand why the sculpture was built. It looks like some weird monster, right? Like, like why that doesn't look like art? It looks like someone took a on it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, but once you give someone, or even in general, like even in my job, once like I, when I have clients, right? I give them structure, saying this is what you need to do to get to this point. I'm not going to tell you exactly how to do that because nobody likes to be controlled. But people love vision. They love a goal. They want to achieve something. And then one of the greatest things that you could ever learn is not your IQ that gets you promoted in jobs. Most of the time is your EQ. EQ means emotional intelligence, how to read the room. What are your emotions are right now? What are those people's emotions? And how do I respond? That's emotional intelligence. IQ is like you're really smart, intellect, that's hard to change. Either you're smart or you're just dumb, okay? Exactly. <laughs> just joking. But in general, though, IQ is hard to change. But EQ, you can actually grow in that, and that is the reason why I'm connecting back to control because EQ gives you the ability to learn and adapt with people so that you can ultimately statistically get promoted in your jobs and also advance in your career as well, whatever you pick. And by having structure helps you guide you toward being free and creative and doing what you want once you build that structures and rhythms in your life. If you don't have that, that's hard to build. Well, you, you, you probably learned a lot of that EQ working for Young Life for 10 years, trying to read rooms with you know, teens and, yeah. and their parents. Yeah, I, I would say so. But there's parts of me, like, I still am growing my EQ. There's times I'm just emotionally just unaware. Like, I'll, I'll walk in. <laughs> To a room and like it's like a funeral, right? And I'm like laughing, hey, what's up? And like look around, like, yep, someone just died. <laughs> and number two, people are crying <laughs> and everyone's wearing black. Lack of EQ. When you walk into a room, you don't have any EQ if you do that. Okay. I'm giving you that extreme example. I've never done that, maybe once. But my point, <laughs> uh, that those are the things that actually leave a, a residual or leaves an impression on somebody. Is they're not going to look at you and say, oh, that guy's really smart, and that's the reason why he can get away with that. Maybe Mark Zuckerberg, maybe. maybe. Or, or the dude from Tesla, what's his name? Um, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. Yeah. Maybe him. But other than that, 99.9999% of the people will never remember you for your intelligence when you walk in like that. They'll remember how not smart you were at that moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, yes, Tark, what's up, buddy? You got another question? What's your favorite movie? Oh, my favorite movie. Uh, it was Rocky. Mm. The boxing movie. I always remember yeah. sitting on the edge of my parents' bed watching it, bouncing up and down during the during the training. Yeah, training. Really? It's so amazing. <laughs> I want to do that. So there you go. I got questions for you guys. Actually, uh, more fire off. How's like? How do you guys handle like? For me, I didn't have a lot of like. I barely had a cell phone in high school. Like I had a flip phone at eighteen for the first time in life. Okay. You guys are on your screens probably statistically about. Four hours a day on average is what teenagers are on. Nailed it. Yes. Is that right? Mine's too. Four to five hours. On your so phone. Yeah. On your phone. And then on weekends, it jumps up to like six or eight. So my my question for you guys as, as teenagers, as young people, I mean, how much anxiety, you talk about anxiousness, how much anxiety do you guys have 
being on Instagram all the time or social media all the time or Snapchat all the time. So Tucker, hold on, let's Zach finish. Uh, well, for me, it's not the fact that I'm on my phone. So actually, if I don't have my phone, so mm-hmm. if I if I feel my pocket and it's not yeah. there, I'm I'm looking for it. Yeah. Uh, but it's not, it's not when I'm on social media, it's just when I don't have my phone. When you don't have your when, phone. When I don't have it, yeah. So that's called an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get real. <laughs> Things just so, got real. Yes. So, like, if you're going like, where's my yeah. phone at? Where's my phone at? Okay, okay you guys have other seen, problems. I've right? text once. <laughs> like, one text. Uh, one text. Yes. How many likes? How many likes, right? So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Sadie, how about you? Talk about the list that Sadie answered. I wonder why. What do you? What's it like when you have a phone, Tucker? I just watch YouTube. You like to watch YouTube. Yeah. We know that. Twenty four seven. I know. Sadie, how about you? I don't understand the question. Question: why would I... How much do you have a lot more anxiety when you're on your phone looking at social media than you do off your phone? And your your brother just told me that's <laughs> off his phone, and I responded by saying, "Well, it's because you want to get back on your phone." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we said that's more of an addiction than it is uh, anxiety. But go ahead. <laughs> I don't understand. Why would I have anxiety on my well, phone? Well, and, and, it, and it may be that they don't know what that is yet or yeah, how to tell what, it's, what the, the difference is. But I do think it's it's an issue. I've even found myself at times, somebody yeah. from our, our, our generation, because we're yeah. pretty close in age, like, this isn't healthy right now. No. L- l- looking at this, because it's amazing how it just feeds into your, your, your social media feed, continues to feed on things. Yes. And so that's why, that's why I want them to read that show and then try to limit their, their social media use. And, and uh, we had a conversation yesterday because I've got the the, t- the phone time limited so they can't use it during school. Yeah. And then yesterday, Sadie was like, why else didn't all my text messages show up at 3.30? Why not during the rest of the day? Because I, I have your phone shut off during school hours. <laughs> like, oh. oh. Which was, well, then I can't use it during school. I'm like, that's the point. That's you shouldn't funny. be able to use it during school. That's so boring. <laughs> yes. I'm still passing. Uh, well, we want to do more than passing. We want to. We want to find our 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 t- total potential. Okay, sneak through. Okay, no, let me ask you this question: it. When you guys are at lunch, okay, okay, and if say you had your phones, how many of your kids in your table are looking at their phones? We're not, not allowed looking? to. They'll take it away. Mister Winter, don't. Oh, because you guys go there. So when thud. you guys didn't go to Cedar Park, and you guys had phones, and you're at the lunchroom, how many people are on their phones the whole time? I can't remember. I don't. I, well, our they, lunch was in the classroom. The yeah. Our yeah. or like outside, and everybody, it was like fourth grade, so not a lot of people had phones, and I think I left mine at That's the house. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the only year that I remember having a phone in public school was fifth. No, not fifth grade. With uh, fourth fourth grade, uh, at Shelton View, and. Yeah. Uh, we had a really strict teacher, and yeah. uh, I don't think a lot of people had phones in fourth grade. Uh, but lunch was, was was in the classroom with gotcha. a strict teacher. I don't think it was. How about how about during the weekend when you guys are not regulated by the teachers, right? And you guys are all hanging out, say at like Grinch driving burger and bottle. You guys are all hanging out. How many people are on their phones when you guys are hanging out when you're with your group of friends? <laughs> uh. Basically, whenever I hang out with my friends, it's a sleepover, and we're only playing video games. <laughs> you're not on your phones at all. No, we're playing video games. They're they're in front of a screen. Oh, because they're, they're yeah, playing video yeah, games. Yeah, gotcha. So you're on your phones a lot. Here's my point. Here's where I'm getting at. I'm asking this on purpose. I worked. I hung out with a bunch of teenagers like last month. All they could do is literally interact with them on their phones. They're literally even 
IGing each other on their phones while they're like right next door to each other, like right here. I'm like, bro, why are you IGing? You could even text. Why are you IGing? Oh, I just wanted to make sure you got this Snapchat or you got this chat, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it was the weirdest thing. And but at the same time, and they're like sixth grade. And I took the phone away from one of the kids. He has a really high, screechy voice. Like, why? I'm like, man, dude, chill out first of all. I'm sorry that you haven't gone through, you know. Um, but, man, you have a high-pitched voice. Nothing wrong with that. I had a high-pitched voice when I was 12, too. But I took his phone away. And he freaked out for almost three hours because I didn't give his phone back. I'm like, dude, you can live life and watch a baseball game without having your phone on you. And after the three hours, he was like, he didn't even want his phone back. He just wanted to go play and run around. It was called Bunko, Funko Field, whatever it's called in Everett. Oh, yeah. Um, and he just ran around, and I saw him like, man, this guy, he has a game, too. He's, spitting on, he's like spitting game at this girl. I'm like, see, this is what happens. You have a game that took your phone away. Now you're talking to a girl. Good for you, bud. <laughs> right? Um, but here's my main point why I'm asking the question is I'm wondering if it has changed the way you interact with people, with kid, other kids. Probably, yeah, because then now you're just like, but why? Like, because on the internet, just like what people like say and do. Yeah. Then you just say, and because people around you at school, they also say and do all the same things as like your phone or like with the internet or yeah. like Instagram. And so then you just kind of say what they say, yeah. do what they do. I don't know. Uh, no, I no, and, and I agree with you. Here's here's my point. On top of that, you can't run away from being on like. If you're not on social media, like for business, right? If you're not on social media, you are losing money. Like you're losing a huge space in the market that allows you to grab attention from a lot of people. Look, there's this dude on a skateboard who like literally drinking ocean spray on a skateboard and he has this like awesome fleet music on. He's just, I guaranteed ocean spray probably sold out of ocean spray and after that did. video. Yes. Right? Yes. Right? And that is new money, advertisement money, that people are moving, the trends are moving to in the advertising space. Most of the advertising space is not moving towards radio and traditional television. It's mostly social media and whatever is on Google. That's the world where you guys are walking into, running into. You have to navigate through social media. But at the same time, here's my main point. If social media becomes everything, it actually distorts your psyche, your psychological wiring towards what is healthy relationships and what's not. So what's real. And what's real. Yeah. Because if you look at what's, whatever yeah. else is around you, like all the things I look at on Instagram tend to be business or investments yeah. or, or whatnot. And it's like you you have this image that everybody yep. is making over a million dollars a year. Yep. And then you just drive around and like, well, this that's not reality. And so it helps you to stay a little grounded when you're not yeah. on it all the time. And, and it become go ahead. My feed is just a bunch of people living in Hawaii, and they just they just are at the beach the whole time. That's what my feed is. Um, to talk well, about, well, hold on, Dane. To talk about what you wanted to ask? It's been an hour. Almost. Almost. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, we're not talking about the boogers. Talking about the boogers. Hey, Dane, how about you, buddy? Um, so everybody that has, like, um, like social and everything... They always try to like keep up with the trends or yeah. watch this movie to us they'll be called like weird because they can't keep up with the trends. Correct. No, so if you just don't have able... social media, you're weird because exactly. then you don't know how to act. You're just like 
Well, it's become no it's friends. Beca- as Danny was talking about the church language that he had, same the same lingo. Social media and the context and memes are part of the cultural um, com- how you communicate. But you can relate to people through these. And in, in our generation, I mean, in my fraternity, and whatnot, we would relate to each other by quoting movies. Yeah. Right. And that's what we had. So you guys are in essence quoting memes and so zach you you're, you're being a caddy this year and so everybody's like have you watched caddyshack yet you watch caddyshack yet and so now you and i did yeah and we can quote caddyshack and we can relate that way yeah. but at the same time you guys are watching memes and that's how you react you relate to your peers and friends no like me and Daniel from yes like if you don't have social media like you're homeschooled and you've just never been bullied you're weird because <laughs> you don't know how to act and you're like in, <laughs> well, I don't know if it has to do with being homeschooled or not. Yeah, maybe it has to do with just because you're not around people. You're just like. I think she's well, trying to say you don't have any EQ for the, he, the the world today. Yeah, it's just about school, not social media. I think, but would you say like I don't? From my experience, you guys can tell me. I think I think kids don't know how to interact with each other in general right now because of social media. They don't know how to engage face to face. They can text. They can. Find an awesome meme and find some awesome clip and send it to each other, but it seems like the social aspect has is lost. Is that well at school since nobody's on their phones a lot and since they're private school, the families are different. I would say and more some families there are more strict, so their kids don't have phones or have like screen time. So I feel like at our school, everyone knows how to interact because if and then if you do catch your phone, then you have like put it in the office every day. Get your phone every day. So people, well, more people know how to interact because we have more strict rules. Strict sure. rules, yeah. yeah. Well, um, this is good because these are all skills you, as relates to work or work or business, is how to relate to people, yep. how to connect with people, yep. and um, you've had what I'd say tremendous success your first few years now at Edward Jones. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah, and I think. As I know you, you would have su- success at anything that is is related to emotional intelligence because that's who you yeah. who you are. But as a as a as a financial advisor, like what is walk them through what that means? I've talked to them about it. Yeah. And, and our Norman uh, nomenclature at work, we call it a make money make money make money person, right? Yeah. That's what it is. But yeah. how does that work? So if someone if Dane were to give you hundred thousand dollars because we know Dane has that in his bank account right now. What would you do with it, and why would he, yeah. he give it to you? How does that work? Yeah, first of all, I work for Edward Jones, and I'm not allowed to actually give investment advice over the radio or podcast. But I would tell you the number one thing I would do at say, age 16, I would have put money, if I had to tell myself 30 years ago, right, 25 years ago, 24 years ago, what I would do at 16. Any dollar I made, I would have put it into a tax-free Roth IRA, which is a retirement account that allows you to have it for tax-free, so it grows tax-free, all the way to the age of 59 and a half. If your investments on average make a 7% return over a 100-year period or 10-year period, 20-year, 30-year period, you double your money every 10 years just on compounding interest alone. And so it's called the rule of 72. You take 72, divide by the interest rate you think you're going to get on a consistent basis, and that equals how many times your money will double. So you started with $100,000. $100,000 in 10 years will be $200,000. Add another 10 years, so that's 20 years, 200000 will be 400000 
Another 10 more years, so now it's 30 years, 400,000 equals 800,000. Every single person in this room right now, if they saved up, say, $7,000 a year, every year for the next 40 years, every single person would literally end up with $1.5 to $2 million if it grows at 7% interest every year. Every kid could do this. That's what I would have done. Number two, find is find what you're passionate about, but it's not just passion, but it's also the hard work that you put into it that will make you money. I don't care if you're a financial advisor, real estate agent, insurance person, uh, a janitor, whatever you do purposely, mm-hmm. I would encourage you to put away a little bit of money every single month so you can do that. But number two, find out what gives you life and joy, but that can't be the center of everything in your life. Here's the reason why. Western culture, American culture, is all about individualism. That's why social media is top. About me, what I build, how I do this. Look at me, brand, 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 brand me. You're literally selling and branding yourself all the time on social media. right? Here's my main point. Find something you're passionate about so that you can actually make money in it, but also you're not the, just about you. Because if you just do things that you're passionate about, you know how many people have liberal arts degrees from colleges they pay spend a hundred grand on and they make thirty thousand dollars a year? What a waste of a degree, right? But oh, I'm so passionate because I love being a librarian. Well, I'm sorry, being a librarian is going out of business. Nobody uses the library anymore. You can go on it, right? But I love being passionate about being a librarian. I love that passion, but unfortunately, your passion does not pay your bills. Hey, to Tucker, do you have a question? Okay, ask your question. Then we're going to give the mic mic to Sadie. What was your question, buddy? Uh, What was your favorite (laughs) video game on Switch? Uh, On Switch? Oh, it's probably Mario Kart for sure. I love Switch. Yeah, that's the most popular. Yeah, for sure. So without giving financial advice, I yeah. mean, what, what do you enjoy about being a financial advisor? Yeah, that's, so, it goes, so this is why I'm going back to my main purpose about passion. I, I took the giftings and wirings that I've been wired to do, and I've taken it to an industry. I don't love like, oh, I love numbers. Like I do, I'm good at it. But mainly, my, most of my job is to actually help understand people's situation, understand what they're, how they're wired, understand their psychology behind them and how they spend money, ask about their assets, their debt, where they're trying to go and achieve, and then come up with solutions that help them achieve that, but also help them find purpose behind that. Most of my job is helping people literally do emotional management than I do financial management. Because there are m- most people, in mar- for example, marketing, most people spend money not because it's logical, it's because it's emotional, right? Dave Ramsey has this amazing book on how to save money, blah, blah, blah. One of his logics, Dave Ramsey is a really good financial guru, is to pay off debt with the lowest amount of debt with maybe some interest on it to get after that. Logically, that doesn't make sense. You want to go after debt typically that have a higher interest rate that's usually larger. But he tells me to do the opposite. Well, why? Because it's not about logic. Logic didn't get you in your financial debt situation. Emotions did. When you spend money, it's usually emotional. You buy that awesome car and you you out of your league. What does it do to you? Why would you spend that money? Well, because it makes me look fly. I get the ladies or the guys. <laughs> All right. All right. It helps me look established. And so, well, that's more emotional than logical because you can't afford that car payment. 
right? Who cares if you have BMW, but you have a one-bedroom apartment and you have four people living in it, Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. So going back to your dad's question, what I do for a living is I actually help people not just understand their finances, I understand their psychology and connect their finances, their psyche, and their purpose and goals towards it. That's what I do. And I love it. And at the same time, I make the money because I like making money. <laughs> I like money. Money's good. All right? Your dad does too. Zach, what, what, what questions do you have about being an advisor? I know you've been looking at this recently. Um, uh, how hard is it really to become a financial advisor? I mean, it is hard. I mean, it depends on which career. Like, I get paid very good money because I have to start my business from nothing. I started my business in COVID. And I had to get my own clients in COVID. And so I make great money to manage and love and care for a lot of people. But it's hard to get into. You'd have to have a degree. And you have to pass your Series 7, 66 insurance licenses. I'm working on a de designation or a certificate called the Cert Certified Financial Planner, which is one of the hardest in our industry to get. Uh, but I'm working on that right now. I do have a master's in business, though. And I have an undergraduate degree in religion and philosophy. Yeah. So, but in my undergraduate degree is number one, and then number two are really good people. Do you understand finances? So, okay. yeah. what are you question? trying to pursue? One more question. Oh, one more question. We're talking. That Sadie's gonna ask. What are you doing about us? Oh, okay. Say go ahead. He wants some McDonald's. Gotcha. He wants McDonald's. Yes. So you said you had to start like during COVID. Mm -hmm. So how did you get people? Like how did you um, promote your business or whatever? Yeah. Um, I found loopholes, to be honest with you, in my business, and so in COVID. So grocery stores were allowed to be open, and so the grocery store that I was hanging out with, hanging out at, had a, had a bar inside the grocery store, so they could technically serve alcohol, and people could actually sit still, but they were not allowed to go to restaurants. So what I did is I started a happy hour for people that wanted to come and socialize with their mask on, totally COVID safe, and we met at the grocery store. And we did that every single week for the whole for a whole year. And your reason behind meeting people is the reason why I meet people because I wanna what the whole goal is to meet a need in the community. People were lonely, they're by themselves. And by them coming together and having a drink, they would normally ask me questions about what I did. Why do you do this? Oh, I'm a financial advisor. And then one thing's lead to another, they would ask questions about the market. I would tell them to buy or sell, or I would tell them, Hey, come on over, you would be great at being a client. And then I would bring business that way because of relationships and trust. Because most people do not move money. Like, literally, my whole job is to ask people for their life savings. If I asked you for your life savings right now, would you give it to me? Well, I mean, if you want $600, I mean, sure. I mean, would you, would you give that to me right now? Say, after you met with me, would you give that to me right now? No. Even though I know your dad? Yeah. You wouldn't give that to me? Why? <laughs> it's my life savings. That's right. Imagine me asking people for millions of their dollars and manage it and maintain it and grow it and protect it and give it to them someday down the road. That's a lot which, of trust. Which is, yeah. which is why the emotional intelligence is important so you can... The goal is, as Danny said, to get people to their passions or help them manage their funds based on the passions that, that, that they enjoy. And so you have to be able to relate to people and know people, whether it's being, a, being in finance or being in insurance or anything else. Yeah. And that's the, he said that's that's the biggest thing that gets you A to B. Even if you're going to be an engineer or a janitor or whatever, yeah. you have to be able to do that to 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 go forward. Yeah. And that makes a big deal. 
Tucker, one more, one more from the the gallery. When are we doing burgers? Burgers. Well, let's see. Burgers. Boogers. Boogers. Oh, burgers. Oh, we talked about boogers. Boogers. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that mostly relates to um, working with junior hires, which we've already talked about. But yeah, I, I, junior hires do have a lot of boogers. They do. Yes. And they yeah. love to flip them on the walls, and you walk around the gym like there's a booger there, there's a booger there. Yep, that's Daniel's burger. That's the one I flipped the other day. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> that was <laughs> man, it's crusty. Nice. <laughs> Sadie, you had a question. Burger. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Burger at the gym. Yeah. That's right. Well, good. Well, Danny, want to thank you for being with us today. Yeah. We had a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think you asked more questions of the kids just because that was good. Gets them to think about uh, what's going on with the, with the phone and everything. So thanks so much. What, th- th- what do you want to say, buddy? Finally. Finally. All right. Finally. Well, thanks everybody for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye.